welcome to the Being a Whole Person podcast. I'm Rebecca Haas, a pianist, composer, and creative wellness coach, and my job is to help you self-compassionately grow your creative practice from a supportive foundation of wellness. This podcast features honest conversations, resources, inspiration, and tangible tips to help you cultivate more balance and ease in your work and life, follow through on your goals without constant hustle, and also feel like a whole person in the process. I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, welcome to Being a Whole Person. I'm taking a holiday break for a few weeks, and during this break, I'm airing a couple replays that were favorite episodes of mine and ones that tie in really well with this current focus of the show in season three. If you're a newer listener and you haven't listened back before this season, this show used to be entirely an interview show about the intersection of creative entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-care, and I co-hosted it with my friend Alexandria Rollet, which was really fun. If you want to hear more about the process of that change, season two, episode seven has more info, and if you're interested in more the creative entrepreneurship side of creativity, I really recommend you go back to seasons one and two and check out more of those interviews. One announcement before we get into the show. The Build Your Seasonal Self-Care Survival Kit Workshop is still available to buy for one more week, and that's a workshop that I did live in November, all about making your own personal self-care menu so that you always have some supportive actions ready to go for whatever situation you're in. But especially thinking about winter, time of more isolation, literal darkness, and probably metaphorical darkness too. You might be feeling more overwhelmed, depleted, grief, all the feelings. And so you really need to support yourself more through all of that. We went through seven types of rest and I gave lots of suggestions for self-care practices using that framework. And then we made a big master list of anything that sounds good and use that to pare down into our menu so that when you don't quite know what to do because you're overwhelmed, you're just ready with that menu and you don't have to think too hard about it. And you'll know that you'll be taking actions that will actually make you feel better. You can also use this method again and again to create a new menu once the old one feels outdated. So if that sounds supportive for you, that recording is available on a sliding scale from five to $30 and it'll be available through next Friday, the 25th of December. So this interview is with Laura Holway, and she's a teacher and coach who is here to help heart-centered creative humans make space for what they long for and cultivate the self-trust to move towards it. Don't all those words just make you feel great? They definitely do for me. Laura is definitely on the short list of people whose email newsletters I always read right away, And then I mark them unread so that I can go back and make sure to savor them fully. They're always a gem. I wrote down so many quotes from this episode because Laura had so many great little nuggets of truth. And she looks at creative work through a lens of movement and embodiment, which makes a lot of sense since she's also a dance artist. But especially this focus on embodiment I think is essential when we're going through difficult times and we're likely to get more stuck in our heads. 
I find Laura's approach to be so refreshing and inspiring, and I know that you will too. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Rebecca and Lexi. How are you? Good. And you? Super well. The sun is out. I know. Finally. Yes. Finally. I'm going to bottle it up. Can we? Do you know how to do that? (laughs) I try every time to just remember that it's a real thing. (laughs) Yeah. That's how we do it. Yeah, that's true. So Laura, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and your how you got to where you are? Yes. Um, I'm Laura Hallway, and I help creative people make plans. Um, and what I really do is uh, help people create work that aligns with what they need. And so it includes um, business strategy and advising, a lot of writing, um, draws on my background as an artist as well, because it's very rooted in embodiment and self-care and self-knowledge. So I teach um, and I work one-on-one with people and then I work in an ongoing way with a couple of small organizations and businesses as well um, with their just ongoing planning needs using that holistic approach. How I got where I am, I mean, I think that it's for everyone such a such a gigantic question. Um, I came here to be a dance artist to the Twin Cities, to Minneapolis in uh, 2005. I got some good momentum going with that when I realized that I was also very anxious and burned out at a time where I was just starting to find more success, whatever that means. So I took a break to reevaluate a lot of things and to think about how to create more sustainably. And a big part of that process was interviewing other creative people and gathering a lot of knowledge about how other people were sustaining themselves or as it turns out, not. And then I, so I pivoted a little bit and uh, began producing other people's work um, on a very in a very small scale way because I realized a big part of why I wasn't finding satisfaction in my work is that I crave a lot of connection and collaboration and I didn't always know how to find that with colleagues or invite people into my process and then when I was making work for proscenium spaces I didn't find that with my audiences so I started producing things out of my home And uh, my former husband and I started uh, uh, just an intimate performance series. And that grew into a way that I started to produce my own work as a choreographer. I started making work again, touring it to people's living rooms and home spaces. And then it was around that time that I worked on a project for the Walker Art Center called Open Field. It was really um, taking the curation skills that I had and pushing them in a new direction. And I just kind of have kept adjusting it during the burnout period. I started thinking about how I could use my personal strengths differently. I was very aware that I had these skills that were just very normal for artists, which are like making something out of nothing and overseeing these big processes. But I started to see that they were really 
both that they were really valuable for other people and that artists needed this kind of support. Like I needed this kind of support, like an outside eye and someone who could help me architect the pieces of my own creative life, essentially. So I started developing new skills. I was writing this blog and trying to learn how to write. I started being a contributing writer for Minnesota Playlist, an online performing arts journal. Um, I started working one-on-one with clients and just making up a process. And then I started working in a social media capacity for a couple of businesses. Again, just figuring it out as I went. And it was in, I don't know what year, maybe officially uh, 2012 that my former husband and I started what was then McGinley Motion, envisioning that we were gonna work in tandem, he's a video producer, with creative businesses. And it just kept evolving. And in that process of evolving, so many gigantic things happened. We had a baby that really shifted things. I, after we had our baby, anxiety that I had dealt with previously just really cleared out. And I had this like really big flood of ambition. So I dove much more deeply into my performance work again, but this time with this like lens of sustainability, trying to see like how I could be more intentional about creating the work in a way that gave me what I actually was looking for in the first place. And it's just, I continue to evolve. You know, I went through a divorce, uh, officially not that long ago. And that has brought a new place of evolution because now I have new needs and I'm really interested in creating as a source of personal power and not, not just in like personal power in the sense of like Donald Trump power, but (laughs) personal power in the sense of like, I really care deeply about a lot of things and I want to see them in the world. And uh, I feel like a renewed sense of purpose and in something that is from me, but much greater than me. And so I feel, I feel very passionate about my work in a whole new way because I don't know, we'll get more into this. I'll keep it shorter. But uh, in saying that, uh, what I've really come to realize is that the tools that we take so granted as creative people are the tools that like, (laughs) architect our whole lives like the same way of moving the puzzle pieces around is like the key to doing anything really and and making your life work better for you so that's a long answer to your question I love the long answer because I think it really does justice to the fact that we all do evolve Mm -hmm. a lot in the course of our careers and lives and you know it's more interesting the actual evolution is more interesting than like the list of titles that you can write down of those years on a resume or whatever. So I really appreciate hearing just all of that and how it actually led you to what you're doing now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy to look back on. It's very, it's concentrated and yeah, it's constantly evolving. It's all going to evolve. And, um, the myth, I, when I talk to people who are just out of college, sometimes, I'll bump into that lovely age group. And the thing I always tell them is like, please don't give into this myth that like we arrive at a place by like 30 and then we just kind of plateau because it's total bullshit and save yourself that idea. Yes. Um, I fully agree with that. I was just talking to a coaching client this morning who 
I don't know exactly how old she is, but I think she's in her 60s because she was just saying, I plan on my 70s being a new youth. She's yes. a visual artist. And I was like, I love that. And she's yeah. like, yeah, I'm not going to become an old bag. <laughs> and I was like, that's right. You're not because you just declared that intention. And totally. And she really embraces the whole evolution of an artistic career and life. So yeah, 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 yeah. Really inspiring. That's awesome. And I think also the way that you just explained all of that does justice to what your work is now. Like it's clear that you kind of have done your process on yourself and have really looked into that evolution in a way that helps you put your pieces together. Yeah. I mean, it all gets deeper over time if you let it get deeper. Like that's the idea is that we want to just keep getting clearer and clearer, but not just clearer. There is a depth that happens as these different parts of who we are start informing what we're doing. And we, if we let them do that, um, as much as I would have loved, my type A self would have loved to have had the answers when I began seven years ago, I wouldn't have any of these pieces or experiences that are such a vital part now. Mm -hmm. And I think embracing that is such a good thing to be able to do, (laughs) contribute to a lot more happiness or at least a lot less unhappiness. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So after you started your business, whether that's your business as a dancer earlier on or your business now, however you want to answer that, did anything happen that you weren't prepared for? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, absolutely everything. I mean, exactly what we've been discussing, I think is what I would say, just that things evolve. You have to let them evolve. There's no way it's inevitable. And, you know, I was thinking, for instance, like the process I use, the map your movement process that I feel like so excited about the depth of that process used to be story mapping. And it was a process that was mostly about business messaging. And if I hadn't created it and launched it and tried it out on a bunch of clients, I would never have created the more in-depth, more deeper process that I have now. So I think what I did not know when I started any of my work was just how much it would continue to shift and how what I thought I would be doing, what I wanted to clench to so much that I just had to trust the process and that the only way to get to the place is by moving. Like you can't say I'm going to trust the process and hope that one day I magically have this vision that of, of this work that I feel like is my work. <laughs> like right now I feel very much, I'm like, this is my work, but I can only have that by moving and, and like a million mistakes, learning moments, pivots, adjustments, connections, you know, it is, it was not linear. So that I feel like, especially as a person who likes to plan and does planning for a living, <laughs> The planning is, it's, it's a flawed logic, you know, of course you want to make a plan, but you have to look up and reevaluate the plan constantly. Yeah. That's been a lot of what I did not know in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I guess the answer to that is everything for most people, because we figure all this stuff out as we go. We're all creating our own path. Totally. And that's, what's so tricky is that, you know, the best thing you can do is get comfortable with what feels right for you. And I think that's the other thing that 
I really wish I could tell my former self is just, you know, what's right for them. It might not be right for you. And that might feel uncomfortable. In fact, it's guaranteed to feel uncomfortable. So the more I can embrace that and get comfortable with that discomfort, the better. Yeah. So maybe part of your answer to that question is part of the answer to this question too, but what do you think is the biggest challenge or hurdle that you've come across? Well, interestingly enough, I love this question in thinking about not even just like the challenges and hurdles I face, but the challenges and hurdles that my clients face. And a hundred percent, it's focus. A hundred percent. It's like focus, focus, focus. And on one hand, I want to tell everyone and myself to like, let yourself be unfocused. And on the other hand, I think, I think it's really important to keep asking yourself which of those you could benefit from. So like, there's a period of time where I think we all benefit a lot from just like throwing spaghetti and generating whatever we're making, right? Launch the website, try a class, do a project, record an album, make, 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 do on a hundred days project, all those things. And then there's a point where it's helpful to look at that and ask yourself, like, what am I really trying to do? And for me, what's so tricky is like every person I work with, I have a lot of things that I care deeply about. And, you know, after my son was born, I had a big, I had scheduled things to make sure that I was going to like get back to work. (laughs) I had a big directing gig and then I had a big choreographic project I committed to as well. And I started thinking like, oh, maybe I really want to grow my work as a choreographer. And now that I have these new tools on how to do this in a better way. And that takes a lot of energy. Like it's really impossible to grow two things simultaneously. I just, I don't buy that it's possible because growth takes a lot of creative energy. And I, I have come to believe that creative energy is finite. Like I don't believe we have an endless store. I can do admin out the wazoo. I can check things off the list, but it's not the same as like, creating intentionally something. So, you know, if I was working on that, then I wasn't giving my business my full energy. I was giving my choreography my best energy or my child my best energy or my sick family member. Like it was always, there were a lot of other priorities. And so I really do think that the focus has been the biggest hurdle. And sometimes the focus issue is really 100% legit. Like you're just so excited about something else and I think you can follow it. And sometimes the focus is a fear issue. But yeah, so I've been paying a lot of, of attention to that. Like when do we get in our own way and what is the source of that? And yeah, sometimes it's just like, ah, I love to do a lot of things. I'm excited about other things and that's awesome. And sometimes it is a discomfort of like, I am nervous about what this could lead to. I'm nervous of what will happen when I put all of my eggs in this basket and really commit to saying that this is what I really, really want to do. So do you think that creative energy and focus have a varying relationship? I could see it being like the throwing spaghetti phase is more unfocused. And sometimes we need that to generate ideas, but yet we need the focus to follow through on what we're doing. That's really interesting too. Oh, that's, I mean, yeah, that's, 
I mean, creative energy is so complicated and I think a lot about it. Like, <laughs> what is that kind of, what is that? Um, yeah. So yes, there's the throwing spaghetti phase. And then say you start to get clear about what you need to do to grow that or to see that through whatever that thing is. But then along the way, I also think that, you know, especially if you're continuing to create a project and you're, you know, um, for your business, you need to write like deep communications, not just efficient communications, but like deep work. Like heartfelt. Heartfelt, to the core, centered around what you really believe. That takes creative energy. And continuing, I mean, it's like, a, I feel like the creative space is just a very, like, it's a, it's a very spiritual space of connecting deeply within yourself. And you can't do that when you're diffused in a million directions because you're exhausted. Also, you can't make efficient decisions when you're exhausted and overextended. So you, you will never get to the place of growth. And that's like a big statement to just like, you'll never get there if you do that. <laughs> it will take you so much more time. And I think it's kind of like, you know, a lot of us have read the book Essentialism, which I always tell people is a great book, but I can sum it up for you in like 60 seconds. But there's that great diagram in Essentialism that shows that, you know, there's this idea, we all have 100 watts of energy a day. You can spend those 100 watts going in one direction, or you can spend those 100 watts going in 12, but it will take you a lot longer. So you can still get there while you're juggling multiple things. And of course, we always have, I have a million things on the back burner. I'm, I have a million other things, but what is getting the best part of me, I think, is really what I've been curious about. So speaking to what you're saying about exhaustion, you will not get there very fast. Mm -hmm. uh, Self-care is clearly a part of your business and a part of how we get energy to do what we want to do. So can you tell us about your personal self-care practices? Yes. <laughs> I have been really excited to think about like expanding my definition of self-care and realizing how many things that don't get the self-care label are actually self-care. Yes. And we know, we know this, we talk about it. It's not bubble baths, even though I am like a huge proponent of baths and I yeah, actually it can be four times a week easily. It's the number one reason that I'm so glad that my child finally like sleeps is that I can go and take a bath and know that he's like asleep. But I think the best tool that I use, if I stop and think about that, are boundaries. Like I think boundaries are my best self-care around my work time, my best work time, and my client relationships. I really think about those. I was raised a huge people pleaser. I'm a recovering people pleaser. The way I'm able to exercise boundaries really goes back to everything I learned working with a really amazing therapist. And so I guess my other favorite self-care is finding a good therapist and working on your emotional gunk, whatever that is, and identifying it. So I think, and you know, Boundaries are scheduling, boundaries are deciding, you know, when I'm going to make sure to connect with other humans. It kind of does come back to that. I also am a huge proponent of movement, like movement as a tool is a really big 
thing that I draw on it as a way to connect to myself and zoom out and get out of my head. But also I'm realizing more and more that it's a tool for connecting creative ideas together. And so I'm pretty mindful of like, I don't really move and like listen to something, maybe music, but not like I would never listen to a podcast just because a lot of the source of like the point of movement for me is just to have some white space. So yeah, those are kind of what I am digging on right now. I love that. I, I'm i with you on the movement needing to be a white space. I never, when I go for a walk, I never bring headphones mm-hmm. ever. I don't even bring my phone unless I want to be able to capture ideas. I've started doing that because sometimes I'll be halfway, I'll be like at the furthest point away from my house and I'll be like, oh my God, I have all these ideas and I need to run home right now. And I just try to like keep repeating them in my head so they don't fall out. And some of them do, but that's okay. (laughs) Yes, the capturing is so important to have those systems. I was just telling someone about when I was like a brand new mom and like stranded on the couch with a baby on me all the time. But I had all this like creative flow for the first time, which I did not, I didn't have the entire time I was pregnant really. Mm. Um, And so I just like had that record button like the voice notes yeah like I will not lose this I will not lose this inspiration yeah (laughs) I love that you mentioned boundaries as your biggest form of self-care too because a phrase that popped out about me popped out to me when you were describing what you do is giving people what they need or I don't know how exactly you phrased it but letting people do what they need in their businesses and in their lives. And I think boundaries are how we do that for ourselves. Totally. It's, I mean, even think about, so a boundary is just a parameter and think about how much freedom we find in creative parameters. And so thinking about, you know, one of the first boundaries that I help people find is like, well, what are you, what are you actually trying to do? And how many times we get really almost, it's a buzzword right now, but I'll use the term triggered by boundaries, by needing to feel, by feeling constrained. And I think the same goes for when people start to set boundaries with their work time and with their clients. There's a real, it's a very emotionally connected process. Yeah. And that is so interesting to me. Well, especially I agree with your uh, recovering people pleaser too, which I think is kind of, I don't know, Minnesotan, we're both Minnesotan or Midwestern. I don't know <laughs> what you think, Lexi, about it too, but it's pretty Midwestern. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's so emotional because if you're a people pleaser, you're not supposed to have boundaries mm. at all. You're supposed to right. just do everything for everyone else. And creating a boundary is like going completely against that. Mm-hmm. Totally. And what's been so helpful for me is paying attention to the emotional response that I start to have after lots of time of not having good boundaries. Mm. So, you know, I was going through a period of time in the winter and just in this divorce process of, you know, a lot of solo parenting time, I my son most of the time and more house responsibilities and a lot of logistics where I was just working a lot at night and he would go to bed and I get on my laptop and I was just getting really pissy about it every time. And I would just like, I just, 
I just had like an anger response. And I wasn't even, I wasn't angry at my clients. I was angry at me because I was doing it. And so it really took getting to a point where I was like, um, you're the one who needs to make the change. Laura, practice what you preach. <laughs> and I think that's what eventually happens over time. And I was telling in the workshop I taught in November, I was remembering this part of Amanda Palmer's The Art of Asking. Have you read that book? Yeah. No. Uh, she's yeah. a musician. And the part that's, that hit me when I read it was um, she's complaining to like her mentor, father figure, about how she keeps meeting the worst men and she can't get her life together and all these things keep happening to her. And she says, when is it going to end? And he says, well, when it hurts enough. Uh, mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think that is like the lesson of boundaries for me is like when so many people are telling me I can't make that change, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You will when it becomes uncomfortable enough because you will be forced to. So hopefully we start to before. Hopefully we don't all need to hit our personal rock bottom before we start. Yeah, fingers crossed. (laughs) It's very human though. We go toward what's comfortable because that's what's going to keep us alive from like a biological standpoint. A hundred percent. And when something is really wired in you, especially from your upbringing, something that's like as old as you are, which is why I, I always am curious about people's upbringing and formative patterns. Like, of course, that's what you know to do. It's what served you. You know, people do love people pleasers, you know. And they take so much advantage of them, too, because everyone knows that people do things. Yeah. True story. Is there anything you found out? You said you were interviewing a lot of creatives about what their processes were. And, like, does that tie in to what we're talking about right now? Was there anything interesting that you gleaned from interviewing all those people? Oh, my goodness. I... I mean, so many different things. I feel like yeah. what I love to do is collect little nuggets of information and then string them together, try to make sense of them or find ways that we can. I mean, that's actually really what the Map Your Movement process is about, is finding a way to take all these things that we know are great ideas and implement them more concretely into our lives. Everyone had something that I was like, oh, <laughs> Why haven't I ever zoomed out enough to think of that? Something that I think of, for instance, I mean, first of all, the the greatest takeaway from all of that, I will say, is to recognize that we're all struggling with these things. No one has a magic answer. It doesn't matter how old they are, what kind of expert they are. No No one has the magic bullet. I used to assume that everyone else knew what they were doing and that I was the only one who didn't. Totally. I mean, it's why in college I never asked questions. I was like, because I would be the only one who doesn't know this thing that everyone knows. And so we can all learn from each other and, and no one has it all together. But one thing I think of a lot, I remember my, my friend Candy talking about asking for what she wants. <laughs> like asking, like instead, like getting really clear about what 
you want and then asking for it. And for whatever reason, it was just really revolutionary to me at the time. I think it's actually way harder to, first of all, figure out what you want. Yes. <laughs> and then to be so audacious as to ask for it because there is also, I think, this wiring, especially in women, of like, who am I to ask for what I want? That is so powerful and yeah. and scary, actually, because it's holding us all back from our great potential. I mean, I remember when I was applying to work with the client that I have worked with now for a year and a half, and I was like, oh, this is definitely be a stretch for my skill set. I mean, I do this for myself, but I haven't done this for like a big organization. And I bounced this off a friend and she said, if you were a man, would you be second guessing this? And I was like, no, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Just to piggyback off of that, The Atlantic did a um, whole article about the differences between women and men in the workplace. And one thing that really stuck out to me was, okay, so if a man and a woman, they're reading the job description, the man is going to be like, done that. Great. Done that. Yep. Done that. Never done that. I haven't done that either. Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to try it anyway. (laughs) And then the woman is going to say, I've done that. 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 But I don't think I've done them enough. I better not. And it's more times than not, you know, the man will just try it anyway, and it'll go however it goes, you know? But it's just the confidence level is, like, so different. And I feel like it's kind of, like, where the confidence comes from, you know? It just, it kind of blows my mind. Yeah, so just everything that you just said kind of, like, spurred that. And also what you had just said kind of spurred a question you said about asking for what you want. And what do you think the difference is between asking for what you want and actually just taking what you want? Hmm. I mean, I think in her particular case, she was using the term asking because (laughs) she's a person who needs to approach a lot of producers and a lot of collaborators and that kind of thing. And so it was more of like, a, you know, how can I figure out what would be ideal for me and lead with that in those collaborative situations? For some reason, like taking what I want doesn't really like resonate with me. It feels very ego driven. And I mean, I've been really thinking about like this dance of like, I've been thinking a lot about what ego really is and we could talk about it for a long time. I don't need to get into it, but I will say that I really think that it is something that is coming from a place of like old wounds, uh, activated nervous system. It's not like the genuine best parts of ourselves when we're taking what we want. Right. I don't really know. Also when I sit here taking, I'm like, well, taking it from who? Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Show up. Like there's enough to go around. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There is, I totally agree that there's enough to go around and, and taking what you want is so ego driven and, and it just feels gross. But I think, I know that's a very common mindset within any kind of business world or, or having a business acumen. A big part of that is just trailblazing and taking whatever you want, you know, 
however you can find success is just fine for the sake of finding success. So if you have to take stuff from other people or if you have to knock on a million doors and annoy a million people, that's fine because you're getting the things that you want. And it's just so hard. I've, me personally in business, I find it very hard to get behind something like that and I just don't feel right. So does that mean I shouldn't be in business? I don't think so. I think things have changed. I think things are changing. I think that there's a lot of change happening and I totally, I totally agree with you. I think honestly, I'm a little bit repelled by the term entrepreneur because for me, it comes to what it, how it reads to me is money first. It feels like, I don't know how entrepreneur and capitalism, like it feels like it's driven by the finances versus driven by values, I guess. Uh, driven by like humanity. So I I always say like, I work with human centered businesses, like people centered businesses, because when you're people centered, you're caring for yourself, you're caring for other people, you want to make you're using your skills to like, better the collective. It's a totally different kind of thing. And like, for this reason, I've, I've always paid a lot of attention to what resonates with me and what doesn't. And sometimes I haven't understood completely. Like there are so many times where I've thought like, maybe I need to start doing things differently. Like maybe I should look into some sales funnels. (laughs) Like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm repelled. I'm not interested. I am not going to take that class. That's like 10 ways to do zing, zing, zing. I am going for the deep stuff because I see how all those things are, they're, band-aids but they're not really getting at like the deep thing which is so much more than like just being purely driven by profits and there is a wave like you said Lexi I really think that there is a shift happening and honestly the people who need what you have are going to find you because that's what they're attracted to they don't want they don't want that you know right mm-hmm. yeah people don't want to be sold to anymore they want to have a connection and buy into the person. Absolutely. A hundred percent. We want to work with people like we're, we are, we're in it for the connection. I could list a million situations where I've ended up purchasing something from a person or hiring a person. It's the person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of why we're connected because I had followed you online and I was like, story mapping. Yes, this sounds useful. And I can tell Laura is a really genuine person and I understand what she's about and it feels, yeah, it feels genuine. And yeah, that, that's why we're talking today. <laughs> it's because you do business like that and not the other way. I think it would be really tricky to keep going down a rabbit hole of things that consistently don't feel good. Like I can't actually really imagine what that would be like because you would have to be, comp- I would have to be completely ignoring my deeper sense of things and and if you don't have that tool well honestly you are screwed like you might make a lot of money but as far as like ever finding satisfaction if that's what we're in this for if we want to be if we want our personhood to be supported by what we're doing and our communities to be supported by what we're doing then we have to stay connected to that inner sense it's a perfect segue to talk about spiritual practices. 
Can you tell us about your spiritual practices? You know, what's so interesting about, like, I was thinking about that and the spiritual is a very important part of my work, but my movement is movement and writing are really my spiritual practices. I think that getting clearer and clearer about any emotional crap and patterning that is in my way has really helped me to be able to use to connect to that greater sense and figure out what what is old patterning and fear when is that talking and when is it like a connection to a higher power i'm not religious in any traditional sense i um certainly don't think that god is a white man um <laughs> he's a god it's definitely a woman if it's gendered but a lot of things have been that have been happening in my life in the last few years have hundred percent been outside of me. And the greatest thing that I have sometimes more successfully than others done is to like let go and let that happen. So the therapist I worked with back when my former husband was getting sober, which I'm just so grateful for. I don't think that if he was getting sober, I don't know that I would have dove into that process with the same kind of commitment. And, but I did for about three years. And he used to remind me because he worked with a lot of addicts. And so he was very, he had a little bit of the AA mentality of like, really, you need to trust something outside of yourself and you need to remember that you're only 50% of the equation. And I've really carried that with me. You can, I actually think that one of our biggest obstacles is that we all are so as humans attached to outcomes. Like we get so we clearly envision this idea of how things are going to unfold for us. And that is a great comfort. And for me as, you know, I wouldn't say a control freak, but a person who like likes to be in control because that feels good. That's very appealing to know. And I remember, you know, I actually, my first art form was music, right? So I was a singer and I, I, classical voice for a long time. It's how I came to Minnesota was to study music at St. Olaf. And it was really painful when I decided to leave that identity as a singer behind and start to grow in new directions. And that has been the case times a hundred as every shift has happened in my life. There's like a little bit of pain and discomfort with those shifts. But I look back now and I can so clearly see, as we discussed in the beginning, how different parts of that have informed my work now. For instance, like something that I think is really interesting is all my early choreography projects were like experiments and parameters, like experiments and creative parameters. They all came from that like assignment based place and in a very experimental place. And that's very much a part of the mindset that I apply to my advising work and to my teaching with my clients. But this, the spiritual is like staying in tune with those hits of inspiration and those like gut impulses and even sometimes the discomfort and knowing like sometimes it's all a really important message. And it's really hard to tune into that again when we're like exhausted and depleted and but I, I do try to remember, like, my job is to show up. My job is to keep doing the work. That, that's all I can do. I have, honestly, and especially at this big transitional place in my life, 
I have no idea what my life is going to look like in six months. When I woke up on New Year's Day, January 1st, well, first of all, I was burning in a feverish state, but <laughs> that aside, if I were to just, you know, look at the um, practical parts of my life, almost every single thing had shifted, except that I still have a child, he has the same name, and I still live at the same address. My house looks completely different. My everything, everything is shifting. And so I think the best thing we can do is just to allow some space for the not knowing. And that is my spiritual practice is to remember that like, it's going to be okay, even if I don't know what six months from now looks like. In fact, it will probably be better than I could imagine in my very planned out and loving brain. Yeah. I love that. I love all of that. <laughs> I love the the last thing you said, that it will be probably better than we ever imagined because hi, anxious brain doesn't imagine <laughs> like really nice futures. It's like, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? And yeah, I think there is a lot of magic in not knowing. And I'm definitely working on that too. <laughs> Trust. Trust has come up a lot in our conversations, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It is so, it is really hard because honestly, it's hard to trust because sometimes it does blow up in our face, right? Or it feels like it does. Yeah. Like I can say, oh, trust the process. But, you know, to use a personal example, it's like, I did not want to be a divorced person. Like I liked my old life in many ways, but the only, the only way to keep moving forward is to trust and for, you know, if we're going to give our, make our brains calm down a little bit is to like remind ourselves to show ourselves those concrete moments in our past where we have been richly rewarded for trusting and where, you know, we did find those arrival points, if we will, like those points where we're like, Oh yeah. And this is as it should be. I have to go back over the journey and, and remind myself, like, how did you end up at the Walker Art Center? Like, how did that even happen? I didn't make that happen. It was a total accident, really. Like, and, and that times 100, you know? I can't think of any moments that I'd look back and say, that isn't how it was supposed to be even the hard ones, because there's always a point of arrival after the hard stuff where you're like, well, that happened so I could learn this and I wouldn't wish for it, but yes, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. The, the chain reaction, like anytime that I am thinking about, okay, I have this thing in my life. Well, how did that come about? And then I trace back and see like what hardships were a part of getting this thing that I really like now in my life. So yeah, amen, guys. I mean, <laughs> the chain reactions and the things that you have no control over, they often bring so many good things, even if there was some pain involved. Yep. Thanks, the universe. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> universe. <laughs> um, do you want to get into the birth chart, speaking of the universe? Lexi? Sure. Would you like to, Laura? Absolutely. Yay. Okay. So first question though, have you, do you know anything about your chart or have you spoken with an astrologer or anything? I've never spoken with an astrologer. I feel like once upon a time I had my chart done 
Mm -hmm. uh, but I, you know, I'm very excited to, to speak with you because I, I do just, re I resonate so much as a Virgo. Okay. Um, for starters, I'm a Virgo from a family of Virgos. Mm. And, and I mean, it's interesting, like this stereotype of orderliness doesn't necessarily apply to everyone who's a Virgo. I think it's that they wish they had the order, but it's been a lot of what I've been, if, you know, if we talk about like our shadow side, I feel like a lot of my shadow side is the workhorse Virgo that I'm, and I'm trying to say, hey, you're there, but I don't want you to rule my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So looking at your chart, so some interesting things I see. Not The first thing I'd like to point out, since we are kind of on a businessy podcast, is your career line. And that's um, denoted by the midheaven. And yours is in Capricorn. And Capricorn is very much like your Virgo sun. They're both earth, meaning they're both very planned. So, so literally your um, career is asking you to be a planner, like to, yep. Um, and Capricorn has a very, very strong business acumen. This is the natural place for Capricorn to be is within that career area. So, and the other thing about having a, Capricorn midheaven is that oftentimes the the true career you're supposed to have and the success that you will glean from it comes a little bit later than in life where you actually have to go through all of these these ebbs and flows and these changes within your lifetime to really find what it is that you're really supposed to do because um, that's the thing about Capricorn they learn the hard way <laughs> it's it's like Capricorn has to, you know, they have to go through all of the trials and tribulations to really learn what they need to learn. So that's kind of why that career comes a little bit later in life, because you've learned all the things and all these things are helping you now. And if you didn't learn any of those lessons, even one of them before, you wouldn't have the business that you have now. Well, actually, that doesn't resonate at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, oh my God, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm a failure. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, that's awesome. Now your son, it, as you already know, is in Virgo and, and the Virgo son, well, first of all, the son is kind of like our identity, but it can also be the more so like the essence of our business. Now yours is in Virgo, but the son is within the fifth house and the thing to understand about the houses, very simply, wherever the sun is, is where your Virgo light shines the brightest. And the fifth house is about creativity and it's about romance, uh, which is fun, and children. So, and it's also like, it's almost as if your, your purpose within like your business is to bring about, you know, let, let's put a little bit of planning in place so that you can really find, you know, your self-identity. You're helping others find their identity and helping them uh, be be more comfortable and more creative. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. And then the other point to talk about is your rising sign. So your rising sign is Taurus, which is another earth sign. You've got all kinds of earth energy, girl. Capricorn, but I didn't know. 
I know. I have so much earth energy. You do. You do. I do with all this earth energy. <laughs> you plan stuff. <laughs> you, you deal with hard facts. You deal with black and white. And, and you want to, like, the thing about Taurus is, like, they are kind of slow movers. They, they really want to figure every piece out first. Um, now, the rising sign is what we meet. So whenever people meet you, Laura, they meet a Taurus almost. So, so Taurus is, is kind of, um, it is a little bit black and white. It's not going to BS anything per se, um, but it's also a very sensual sign. And it's, and it's kind of loving as well. So this energy that you give off is really welcoming and makes people feel comfortable. Um, so those are just a few pieces. There's so much more that we could talk about. Um, actually, I do kind of want to talk about one thing. So your North Node, the North Node represents kind of the destiny we have in this lifetime. And every North Node has a South Node. So your South Node is what you're already really comfortable with and you're rocking it out. And so, so this lifetime is like, all right, let's try to find the balance between the North and the South. Your North node is in Cancer. So that means your South node is in Capricorn, which is also where your career line is, as we just discussed. So being in that planned space and that analytical practical space is really comfortable mm -hmm. for you. And that's where you find a lot of success. But we have to find a way to move to the cancer side of things, which is trusting your intuition and trusting that things can have flow and that, you know, we don't have to put all of the plans in place to make anything happen. We need to trust things to happen. So I, whenever you were just the, that, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. The little last bit that you were talking about was like, oh my gosh, this is totally your node. These are your nodes coming out. <laughs> Totally. I, uh, all of that is like, feels so, so spot on. And I really do feel like in, in the last while I've just felt more and more pushed to move away mm -hmm. from that and to welcome in the unexpected and figure yeah. out how to be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. You, you present that as like, it's like your life's work. Like it will take a while. It's not something that I'm going to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is that is the biggest thing for you to work on, and, the, and it will take your whole lifetime to to find that balance, to find to find peace in letting things flow, <laughs> and find getting really connected with your intuition as opposed to just a, a B C and this is what I'm going to do. You know, totally. Yeah. So thank you, thank you for letting me read that for you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Of course. So Laura, is there anything you want to talk about that we didn't mention yet today? Oh my goodness. We could talk about so many things. I know. We could talk all day. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. Do you guys want to share anything that you're excited about right now? Yes. Because we need more of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Go for it, Rebecca. I'm excited about this podcast. Another thing I'm excited about that I haven't yet told the internet as of today but by the time the podcast comes out, I will, is that I'm moving to California in June. Shut up. Yeah. My partner got a job at an architecture firm in Menlo Park, and we're going to move to San Francisco. 
or the Bay Area, not San Francisco, because we can't <laughs> live in San Francisco probably, but yeah. Great. One of my best friends is living there and uh, is really enjoying it. That is huge. And you're going to have so much more vitamin D. Oh my God. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> like, you're going to be, you're, you won't have to deal with winter. And I'm like, yeah, but like, we haven't made it through this one yet. <laughs> <laughs> Next year I'll feel great though. Yeah. And on a, on a more um, trivial note, I really love the winter flavor of GT's kombucha right now, which is blood orange, hibiscus and rose. I can't get enough of it. It's like sunshine, citrus in a bottle. I will try hmm. it. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Limited edition. Get out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am excited, of course, about this podcast. Um, this is a really fun time. And I'm just so amazed that Rebecca and I just went forward with it. Like, it, it was an idea one day and then it was happening the next day. And I find that really awesome. And then I'm also excited. I'm going to Savannah, Georgia next week for like a little retreat slash mastermind with some other um, business besties, if you will. And so I'm just super excited to like workshop our businesses together and find out new things that we should be doing as business owners and also relax a little bit because you know, work. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. What about you? you? Well, I'm really super excited to be moving forward on this online class that I've been working on that is launching March 11th. And I'm also just really excited about intersections right now, like serendipities that are happening. And I'm working with a lot of people that have businesses that have some sort of movement component. And it's so nice to be like, oh my goodness. Yes, that's great. I believe in this so much. And I'm really excited to be cooking a Valentine's Day feast for some people that I love. So it's like the most balancing, I guess, I guess cooking is maybe my, my other favorite self-care cooking and reading food memoirs. It's like great for just bringing my blood pressure down. (laughs) Think about something Love it. Laura, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is a great conversation. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for asking me. And I'm so excited for your launch. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Being a Whole Person. The music you're hearing right now was written and performed by me, supported by Tim O'Keefe on percussion. If you'd like to take it one step further, you can sign up to get access to my library of worksheets, my favorite tools and resources, and some other fun stuff at coachingforcreativewellness.com slash resources. And you'll also receive my creative wellness letters via email every Monday. You can find show notes at coachingforcreativewellness.com slash podcast. See you next time and be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm.